We all know that cars mean traffic, errands, and budgets. But they should also represent freedom and fun. Join us as we work to find everyone a car they'll love. I'm Paul. I'm Todd. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. I can't believe it's that time of year again. We're already back at the LA Auto Show, and so we decided to fly in just for the day amidst yes. the busy schedule of editing and everything yes. going on. We flew in for the day. It was a very early flight out, and mm-hmm. we found ourselves right when the doors opened there, about 8 o'clock at mm-hmm. the LA Convention Center. The Wednesday of the press days, which yeah, is Wednesday, the big day when everybody's there, which is really cool. First press day, and we were very excited to go. Mm-hmm. This was actually just yesterday. You're hearing this on Friday. Happy yep. Friday, everyone. Yep. You're hearing this, and uh, we wanted to discuss some favorites, the notable mm-hmm. things that everybody's totally. reading about. There totally. are well, more than a handful of cars that were really uh, – people were really excited to see, let's say yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And really highly anticipated cars. Mm-hmm. I do want to jump into that. And instead of doing the debates, we're going to just talk LA Auto Show things yeah. and then dive right into the questions as well after There's that. good questions. Lots of, lots of good questions. It is snowing in Park City, snowing rather heavily. I am enjoying the Lancer like crazy in this weather. I'm glad to hear that. I, it's kind of made I, for I'm this do, weather. I'm doing that thing now where, I mean, I, look, I, I used to pass people in the FRS in the snow. <laughs> but sure. but I, I pass them with much, with much more abandon in the Lancer. It's like, see ya, out of God, about, see ya, yeah. But I, I have, drive? But I have to get that. Uh, well, but see, here's the thing. I don't want to be that thing we've joked about where you get all-wheel drive and you feel invincible. I mean, you can True. still slide. True. Physics and, and slipperiness are still a thing, so you have to be careful. Uh, but I am thoroughly enjoying it. I do desperately have to get that exhaust fixed. I think I'm damaging my hearing. So that has to happen. But the tires and the winter setup is great, so I look forward to doing a video on that. In fact, you and I were just discussing we keep discovering things that are gone yeah, because of the, the robbery thing. And I will say, yeah. look, our GoFundMe yeah. page is still available. If you would like to support us there, we greatly appreciate it. That has been awesome in the short term. Actually, give you guys an update. Should, should have done that right off the, off the top. That has been vital to us in the immediate need category. Absolutely. Which was yeah. like laptops and that kind of thing. The in, there, we do have production insurance. Of course, we're going to nickel and dime with the insurance company because they don't really want to pay a lot. Right. That's not what they're in the business to do. Yeah. They're not in the business to pay. They're in the business to take money. But 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 they will be Pretty paying much. some. But you guys have really helped us in the short term while we do the insurance thing uh, to actually be able to get computers and do stuff that we've had to do immediately. Yeah. Thank you for That's that. That's what that it's GoFundMe page has been for. And it's you guys, I, we never thought to do it. You guys have rallied around us in that. It's been awesome. It is still up. It'll be up for another week or so. So I wanted you guys to know that we have, we can't, honestly, I cannot, I could spend the podcast just thanking you because it's been that cool. <laughs> I agree. I agree. So thank you for that. Uh, but we've, we've got extra stuff we've been shooting along the way. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. had my first Lancer long term. You had your first Expedition long term. Yeah, gone. And we realized both of those are gone. So we it's just keep hard coming. to think of the data. We when, keep bumping up data. against other stuff that we're yeah. like, oh, we, we should edit that for the. No, we don't have that anymore. <laughs> so it's snowing hard here. So I, I actually tried on purpose, and I think you did too. I tried to shoot my first Lancer long term before it snowed. Because I got the car before it snowed. Right, right. Well, that's gone, and now it is snowing. <laughs> it is. It's going to be a winter wonderland piece because yeah, it's just. Sure, it is sure. snowing big time. Your expedition piece will be cool as well. So we will do that kind of stuff. We've been talking about. I'm not going to tell you the details. We've been talking about new ways to do little stuff for YouTube. Right, because right. we're bored. You know, there's nothing else going on, so we're going <laughs> to be doing that say, as well in 2019. All that time so, yeah. that we've got. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, we're jumping right to the LA Auto Show, and I am. Well, I've got to start with a Porsche. Let's just go Are you ahead. Are going to start there? Let's just go ahead and, and talk about it. 
Get it done. Get that box checked. Buckle up, everyone. Here's the next half hour. I should also say <laughs> thank you to all of you that, that laughed along with us at the absurdities that we had doing the LA Auto Show as far as random rants and oh, cars yeah, right. and me sitting we on a mini bike for fun. no reason. It was it was great fun. The Porsche piece, um, this is going to be the next half hour, so so buckle up. No, yeah, no, I promise it won't. It, it won't be. Because we haven't driven it yet, of course we want to put it on camera. Mm-hmm. And honestly, what Todd and I were doing is walking around the show thinking about season five and the cars that we want to put on camera and what their counterparts, what the cars we would compare them to. So that was actually, we're kind of shopping in that Mm -hmm. sense, not for what we want to buy necessarily, but what we think would make really good pieces, comparisons that would speak to enthusiasts, speak to what people are looking for. Yep. I, I think this will be important. And so, starting with the 992, this is the eighth generation Porsche 911. <laughs> so I'm already laughing. I'm sorry. I, know. I really, I, yeah, I got, I got to buckle I'll up. I'll touch okay. on this very briefly because we won't. We'll touch it. I, well, I have things to say too. So yeah, it's very notable. Like I said, eighth generation. This car was dissected into oblivion by everybody in the room. Mm-hmm. And Porsche yeah. has a room off to the side. They have kind of an entire small hall all to themselves, yeah. which has yeah. been that way for a lot of years. Yeah. They introduced the car at the Porsche Experience Center in Los Angeles down in Carson. Mm-hmm. The day before. The, the day before. Yeah. So that was live streamed, introduced by Mark Weber. Mm-hmm. And the celebrity guest was Army Hammer, which I kept asking you, why him? Nothing against him. I think he's a great guy and I like his acting. You, you, asked, you, asked, a couple people, you asked a couple people at the Porsche group, why Army Hammer? And they looked at you like deer in headlights, like, I'm not yeah. really sure. So, of yeah. all the Porsche enthusiasts on the planet, yeah. we landed here. Yeah. I, yeah. Okay. And, and, and you're right. It's no offense to him. But None it, at but all. It, but it feels random compared to people that have been actors and Porsche enthusiasts that people have known about. It was like, <laughs> oh, Army Hammer likes them too. W- welcome. Sure. Anyway, he did great. It was great. But after we got done telling the world about how awesome the world was and you're awesome and I'm awesome and the car's awesome and everybody here is awesome and everything is awesome. (laughs) Is everybody else hearing the Lego theme in their head, by the way, the Lego movie? Yeah. Anyway, go on. That's exactly it. The world is just so great because the new 911's here. Yeah. I was nauseated. (laughs) <laughs> That's saying something. Yeah. I avoided this live stream. Of course, I was editing, but I also avoided this live stream. And you, who who constantly paddled just doing laps in the pool of Porsche, said to me, you felt like it was a little bit too much. I Here's why. We're on the eighth generation car. It's a new design. Yes. I get that. Yes. But could we just hold something back for the 10th generation car in mm-hmm. a few years? Mm-hmm. Because that car better be revelatory. I don't know what technology will be there. They're yeah, probably not yeah, yeah. quite thinking about that. They've actually probably moved on to the ninth generation already. Oh, I'm sure they have. Somebody's already sketching that, yeah. The, the eighth generation, they they have lived with it for so long. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. news to all of us. Yeah. But to Porsche, this is like, oh, my gosh, we finished that project thank, two years ago. Thank God that's out, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's finally in production. Yeah. So what about the tenth generation coming? That that car better be heralded. Yeah. yeah. Fine. I'll be nauseated then too. I'm sure. Possibly. And this is coming from me. And yeah. I thought, all right, I, could we just talk about the car? It's it's not. It was kind of all the same stuff. The racing history, the generations, on and on and yeah. on, which yeah, I yeah. love, but it was a little much. <laughs> and so I like that they took some weight out of the surfaces. I dislike that the car is larger, actually, in just about every direction. Mm. Slight Mm. amounts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it made me think about future generations of this car. The 911, of course, 
is iconic. Of course, yeah. But when the Cayman continues to grow, and then what if they slot in something else? Not an entry level in terms of price, but a even smaller, more driver mm. enthusiast, less stuff on it kind of car. So like Porsche are makes a 914 again? Yeah. Yeah. Like, are they leaving themselves space for that? That's mm. kind of what the introduction of this car made me wonder about. I thought, Interesting. Okay. Huh. All right. I mean, it would inherently be lower priced. But these new 992s are really expensive. They're expensive and they're large. I mean, here's the thing. If you've watched our 50 years of 911 film, we are now a generation behind. You and I need to drive the 992. We do. Because we haven't driven We've driven up through the 991 for that film. Anyway, yeah. so there's that. Uh, but one of the big points that I made in that film is the difference, the actual size jump that happens from the mm-hmm. 997, mm-hmm. that was the 2005 to 2012 car, to the one we're just leaving now, the 991. There's a jump I hate Porsche's nomenclature, by the way, because it doesn't make any. It's not I'm, I'm, because I'm not the ninth generation isn't going to be the nine nine three. I'm not good. Exactly, I'm not good at math, and they're completely out of order now. It, I, I really <laughs> they've screwed themselves in that sense. So annoyed by that. Anyway, yeah. so there's that. By the way, can we just have a can we have a one thousand model number just to really screw it up? We're we're close enough now, you know. Exactly. Anyway, so the the nine nine seven to the nine nine one. There's a big jump in the scale of the car. Mm-hmm. So now the 992, after that jump, is doing that slightly incremental growth that all the generations have done before. But once you consider that jump in the middle, this is genuinely, honestly, it's like an Aston Martin-sized car now. Which, it's it doesn't visually look that much bigger than a 991. Mm-mm. No. Slight amounts. No. But you're right. It's that kind of market, the people who are buying these and affording these cars. They've always been. They've always been one of the most versatile sports cars on the planet, if not the most versatile. They're one of the biggest because of the rear seats and because of the whole way it's built. It's a very versatile, usable, whatever you need it for can work as a sports car. But I also feel like in scale and in luxury, it's getting more and more into what you've bought as a GT car first and a sports car second. Mm -hmm. With their architecture right now, Porsche has plenty of space to reintroduce front-engine sports cars. They could bring those back oh, sure. in a heartbeat. Yeah, yeah. The 911 doesn't need to continue its size growth. Mm. And it was conceived, well, I guess not really conceived that way, but it has the lineage and history of being a race car, mm. which you would think make future models continue to be pulled mm. back mm. in scale. Let's keep it as the race car bones and the small, lightweight race car instead of a gigantic luxury cruiser, even though it's not. Again, yeah. I'm, I'm it's, over-exaggerating it's relative. It's relative. here. But but. But you, you get my a, point. You bring up a great point. You know what I actually just thought of as we're talking here? I bet you that the 992 has more interior space, front and rear seats, than your 928. Oh, I'm sure it does. I know it does. And the 928, I think all of us listening, and myself included, think of the 928 as a big Porsche. That was a 3,500-pound car. Yeah. The Cayman is 3,100. Yeah. But we think of, How but, crazy is that? But we just think about the 928 as being a big Porsche car. Mm-hmm. And now I, I feel very confident the 992 is a roomier car for four people to go go anywhere in, yeah. which is crazy to think about. I mean, on one level, yeah. that's a success. And, and, and I I have things to say that are not glowing, I will admit it. <laughs> but but, but I, I have to say right up front, look, we want to drive it. And I'm sure knowing Porsche history, and I say this as the non-Porsche guy, it will be brilliant to drive. Mm-hmm. I am not. No part of me thinks it is not going to be great to drive. And as they do this generation, they will do what they did with the nine nine one. They'll do a bunch of variants, and each variant will be a little bit better to drive than the last. So by the time we get to whatever the next gen will be, won't be nine nine three. You're right. If we get to the next one, <laughs> it's the nine eleven thousand, exactly or something. When we get to that car. We will have gone through every little iteration and tweak of this 992 to make it even more brilliant. I expect it to be great to drive. Mm-hmm. 
I'm not a fan of it otherwise. Interesting. And I, I want to say as much of a fan of the brand and as the cars that I am, I still want to bring a discerning eye, not just blindly swallow. Well, it's the next thing, so it must be better. So my overall takeaway here is change for the sake of change. Mm. And I experienced this mm-hmm. a lot as a furniture designer early in my career. Okay, You could just change a look or change a piece and it would mm-hmm. be no better or worse. It would also work fine. Sure. It also sure, sure. looks good. Yeah. There's multiple iterations. And so because the car has grown a little bit in size, the front uh, intakes mm-hmm. and the rear apron are blacked out now, unlike yeah. the prior gen. Okay. So by blacking that out, that isn't the paint color. Yeah. And so yeah, it yeah. visually reduces the weight of the car. Mm, okay. So therefore, okay. even though the numbers tell us it's larger, it doesn't look like it is. Mm. So that's a little mm. design You're lightening trick. lightening it up. Sure, sure, The sure. rear bar, the light bar across the back, which I do love. I mm-hmm. mean, think 993, think 964. Hey, the G body, the the nine or the three point two Carrera, yeah, yeah the yeah. solid bar across mm-hmm. the back. I wish it had all that solid bar all the way across the back because the the rear turn signal is actually it dips down it dips into down. the bumper and, and from some angles it creates a little bit of a fussy indent. Hmm. Okay, I didn't love that. I just wish it was solid. Let's mm. bring that back. It was successful. It worked. Everybody knows that. But they went to the thin line so that they can have the offset Porsche letters that they're doing across right. the back of every car, which now. we yeah. saw coming. Yeah, and I do course. like that. Yeah, yeah. So like I was saying, they've taken some weight out of the surfaces, mm-hmm. visually slimming the car, so they've added weight elsewhere. It's uh, When I say weight, it means just kind of smoothing things back. Imagine just sh- shaving ice or shaving clay mm, away from that surface. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's still the same uh, section, same shape, but it yeah. takes the visual weight out of that mm-hmm. curve, mm-hmm. out of that surface. Mm-hmm. And so it... Those visual design tricks kind of make the car look compact and small. And I do love the shape. I love what it looks like. Mm-hmm. Some dislikes on the interior are the toggle switches. Yeah. Specifically, the new 8-speed PDK. I really liked the handle that is actually in my Cayman yeah. and the prior PDK because yeah. it was a handle that you grip with your hand versus a toggle switch that you grip with your fingers. I agree with you. I, I'm reserving the right to drive this before I, maybe I drive it and I come back gushing and doing handsprings. Maybe. But now the key you used to stick the key in and turn it. Now it's also a twist toggle switch. Yeah. Meaning you keep the key in your pocket. Yeah. And so the importance of that, it felt a little small in my hand. I thought, mm, okay, okay, this is an important right. element. You know, a lot sure. was paid attention sure, to this sure. car, and I think everybody, journalists from all over the world, were walking around the car doing their one-take stand-ups with Absolutely. the car. Absolutely. In whatever language they spoke and dissecting this car ad nauseum. So I yeah. know Porsche knows this and walks a fine line when they're mm-hmm. bringing up yeah, the next for gen sure. model. For sure. yeah, yeah. There's a lot of things that are successful and there are a lot of things that are changed for the sake of change. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because it's the next gen. Well, we got to change it. It's got to be the new thing. Yeah. Well, does that make it better? Not necessarily. Yeah. I'm, I'm not a fan of the toggle switch transmission. I'm not. I'm not. I think it, I think it visually looks strange. I'm, I'm going to go one further. I would rather go the Jaguar route of the little turn dial that's mm. recessed into the, into the uh, console mm. than have a weird toggle switch sticking up. That just seems like an odd element. If you're going to have any co- sort of a, a weird way, if you're going to have any sort of bar that mm-hmm. sticks up for you mm-hmm. to interact with, let's make it a handle. Let's make it a gear shift style piece. If we're not going to have a bar, then go away from that completely. Sure. Nothing sticks up like a bar or a toggle, and it becomes... I'll even go this way. Consult Look, GM on there. <clears throat> well, no, <laughs> that was terrible. Switch, that button. was terrible. Exactly. <laughs> but but let's go here though. The the Alpha Four C. Okay. Okay. It has sure. buttons. It does. It has buttons and then paddles. 
in it a has quad a, cover, cloverleaf pattern. Yeah, it has a you know a reverse, a drive, a neutral, and then you have your paddles. Mm-hmm. If we're not going to do a handle or a bar, then let, then buttons are fine because sure. the way you're actually interacting with the PDK is you either have it in full manual or you pull a paddle anyway. Mm-hmm. And, and clearly, also you've talked before about how you like driving your GTS, and sometimes you like to actually shift the transmission. At the handle. I do. Versus yeah. the paddles. It connects me to the car. They've taken that option away. So if they're going to take yeah. that off, because I don't, can't imagine you grip, gripping the little toggle and flipping no. it, flipping the switch. You're not going to flip the switch. To, so not going to happen. At that point, then just buttons and the, pa- and the paddles would be fine. That is a weird visual element. I also think it's even weirder because one of the things I don't like, you're talking about weight of things. The interior looks great in the Panamera. The interior will look good in the Cayenne. It is a large car interior. Mm-hmm, it looks mm-hmm. entirely too big. It looks, for lack of a better way to put it, monolithic in this 911. Yeah. It is a huge, look at it, it looks like a cliff face that goes all the way in front <laughs> of you. It looks really, you're talking about weight, it looks heavy for the car. And I know, look, uh, look, we've driven all the 911s. Go back, go all the way back to the beginning 911s. The, 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 the core, precedent there. The core shape is still there. Sure, with the, sure. You know, the, it comes up out of the, from the glass, and then it has a cliff face beginning. And I've done a lot of those same shapes, but it's about 300% sized. And it's because of the screen. It's because I know. every other gauge is now digital. It's Except now for it. the tack. Everything else right. is digital. Piano black. You're going to touch yeah. it. It's going to be covered in fingerprints. But it is a yeah. monolithic cliff face. I'm going to stay with that. That is the visual look. I sat down and just thought, that is a huge dash. That was my first impression. I hadn't even looked at the gauges yet. I just sat down. I closed the door and went, that dash is enormous. And despite the lineage, I concede that point because of any car in Porsche's lineup, it is the 911 that is most eligible to go completely away from the Porsche corporate look Mm -hmm. and do something entirely different on the inside. And what I think you're alluding to is something like a wraparound cockpit or something with different shapes that it it could introduce on the 911. Sure. If you're going to introduce it, do it on the 911. But it did not because of that screen and because we're following Macan, Panamera, every other model. Well, they keep introducing – their pattern has been they introduce a new interior with the Panamera, and then it it filters its way to every other model Mm -hmm. at the next Mm -hmm. refresh. And so I get it. I understand economy of scale. You have to make one interior that you just size for your various cars. I get this idea. Although they're different. It's not the same one. True, but they look very similar. They do. But but I, I submit, why not make a sports car interior at Porsche, and it goes in the Cayman and the Boxster and the 911? Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it can be thinner, and it can be more. You, you've coined it already. It can be more of a cockpit wraparound feel than the large needs to have space, needs to have screens, things that are in all of the people movers. Right, right. I was just that was honestly for me the biggest turnoff was the interior, and I'm surprised to say that. But I actually really, really like the interior on the 991. It's great. Yeah. And yeah. so to step into this one and just feel like my first impression was just this is a huge interior. Again, I want to have an objective eye, and I i mean, all that to say is I love it. I want one. I'm sure it's going to drive magnificently. <laughs> it, will, it will drive wonderfully. I, I, without even sitting in it, I know that it will drive great. Yeah. I know it will. That's yeah. what Porsche does. But then again, we're coming back to, all right, it's the next thing, so we got to make it different. Well, always make it better. And in some cases, they did. In other cases, debatable. But we've got to jump on to the car that I think stole the show. Oh, wow, you're moving already. I'm, I'm moving I'm, already. I'm, I'm impressed. We've got to keep it going here. Because I just... We do. We could yeah. say more. We've got to keep we, it going okay. because Onward. Yes. we yes, haven't yes, driven it yet. It. Yes, it'll be great. Yes. Car that stole the show. Fourth generation Mazda 3. The 2019 mm, Mazda 3. You were 3. a huge fan of this. Please huge go on. Please fan. go on. 
from a design perspective alone, many of you have asked mm-hmm. Tyler H, Brian W, Michael P, Hector A, J.R. Yeah, Schultz. Many of you, yeah. Jesse Hackney, B. Warren228, thank you guys all for asking about this car. Mm-hmm. This is a success. This is a wild success. Mm-hmm. And they've just released it without having too many specs out there yet. And you're concerned about the C pillar. Yeah. I can hear you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was concerned about the C pillar. And this is on the hatch. The sedan, lovely, bang on. They yeah. nailed it. Yeah. They nailed it. But it's but I also think that the and maybe it's because it was only there in gray, but I also think that the that the sedan it the design really blends into other cars more than the hatch and the hatch just says look at me it does it does yeah. so i had these concerns about the c pillar and i thought I you know what i'm going to wait till i get there i'm going to wait to see it in person and fortunately good news everyone it's not ugly it's it, it, it doesn't it's not jarring good news it's not ugly <laughs> seriously you think I've I've met your wife at good news. <laughs> she's not ugly. Not something you ever want to say to anybody. <laughs> nah, that's that's your inside, your internal voice. That's your internal monologue that never comes out. It's like, the, look at my baby. You have a baby. That's a baby. You mm-hmm. have a baby. All right. And so speaking of Mazda's new baby, the good news is, and the reason I can say this is because of proportion. And it's your mm-hmm. your visual relationship to the thing that you're looking at. Mm-hmm. And that's why VR is so crucial in the use of, of sure, 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 uh, yeah. visualization in car design mm-hmm. because your spatial relationship between you and that thing is what tells you if you like it or not or if it's right or not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Photos distort the lens, the glass warps the image in any direction mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. of the focal length. Sure, yeah, yeah. So photos always will deceive and I was concerned. It looked huge to my eye. Yeah. But then when I got there, the rear shut line beautifully breaks up that sheet metal. Yeah. And the lines are curated. Mazda does this like few car companies. They mm-hmm. curate their shut lines. Follow your eye around the shut lines. Mm-hmm. And the C-pillar works. I'm, I'm thrilled to say this because I, I honestly had concerns. Yeah. But then watch as the lines from the C-pillar move forward over the top of the car down yeah. to the base of yeah, the yeah, A-pillar yeah. where the crisp line off the hood intersects. Wow. This is the hardest part in the part on the car to resolve mm. and they did it really well yeah. it's gorgeous take the shut lines out i mean photoshop them out in your mind yeah and then look at the integration of these lines and where they come together they're very graceful mm-hmm. good design can happen on a two dollar toothbrush and it can happen on a multi-million dollar luxury yacht absolutely. absolutely it's almost better when it's on a less expensive product because of your constraints in manufacturing i agree with and that. how much the product needs to yes. sell for yes. it's the difference between designing a beautiful product and becoming an artist if you can't <laughs> sell it to make a profit <laughs> that's a piece of art yeah sure 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 it's a paperweight and mazda has done a gorgeous beautiful job the interior is overlapping surfaces this is just the design. We haven't gotten to the specs yet. Yeah. yeah and I'm yeah. impressed with this car. So just wait. If you're disagreeing because of the photos, just wait until you see it in person and then please make your evaluation because of that spatial distance. I, I want I, I think that's excellent. And you can speak to that much better than me. I want to speak to a few things that I've heard and I wondered about. And I, I just want to follow up on some other stuff. Because, again, we haven't driven this either. The interior, again, Mazda is, is being... This random little tiny – they're not a big automaker. No, they're not. How they are making this Mazda 3, and you are, you climb into it, and you just think, how much is this car? Now, granted, everything's not out, but we know about what it'll be. It'll be you know 35 loaded. Mm-hmm. Okay, it'll be loaded at 35. And you sit in the interior, and you have one of those thoughts that you do often in Volkswagen product where you just think, this interior is nicer than what I paid. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. They've done that yeah. again, and they've refined it, and it's very impressive. The, the interior is really nice. The the Mazda three hatch. All your concerns are valid. I hear you out there. It is a sensual, flowing, sexy design. They've it done is. a really, really good job on an inexpensive car. Yes. How amazing now, is that? I can, it, it looks like. And look, I'm going to go. This is going to sound like an insult. It, it has relationship to like the AMC Pacer and the AMC Gremlin Ooh, world. Those aren't kind words. I know. I know. It's like taking that idea with the huge C pillar and making it elegant. I, mm. I do see the connection there. I will say that was such a mobbed car. I was not able to sit in it like I wanted to and check blind spots. Sure, I don't know what those sure. blind spots are like. And it'll, That's driving valid. It, driving it will tell the tale. That's okay? valid. But it is a very sexy, sensual, well-done design. It's very cool. I want to bring up one thing about the dynamics. Again, we haven't driven it, but mm-hmm. one thing that everybody's crying about, and I want, to, I want to offer some perspective here. Mazda has traditionally done independent suspension. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and this car, the reason they're claiming, now I'm sure there's some cost savings as well, but the reason they're claiming is because of NVH, noise, vibration, and harshness. The independent rear suspension created more vibration and noise in the cabin than they were liking. Now, keep in mind, all of you listening want the car to be the most enthusiastic, dynamic thing on the planet. And right. I hear you. Right. Most people are not buying it at the most dynamic spec, and they want it to be quiet and nice to be in. Sure, sure. So they are, have gone away from the independent suspension. This new model is now going to have older tech, less dynamic tech in the torsion beam rear end. There's a lot of crying about this, yeah. and I understand yeah. it from, a, from an enthusiast perspective, but let me offer you two little caveats that give me hope. Okay. All right. Good. They are the Ren- Renault Magane that we've driven on the ring <laughs> and the Fiesta ST that we love, love, love. Front-wheel drive, rear torsion beam suspensions on both of those cars. Fantastic. And you and I both would take any of those any day and drive it hard anywhere and cackle ourselves through happily, the entire day. Happily. So my point here is, do I like that they've gone to this other technology? On on paper, reading about it, I'm like, what did you do? But then I go, wait, 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 wait. It doesn't mean it can't be great because of those two cars. Agreed. So keep that in mind because those are the two best front-wheel drives I've ever driven. Ever. Yeah, Renault Magan and, <laughs> and the Fiesta ST, two best front-wheel drives I've ever driven, and they both have a torsion beam rear. And if you think that the all-wheel drive announcement can't be combined with a torsion beam, well, apparently Mazda's done it. That's mm-hmm. what we're hearing. The launch engine is going to be an updated version of the existing 2.5-liter four-cylinder, 187 horsepower. But we're hearing like 190 horsepower or better in this new Skyactiv X, the 2-liter engine, mm. with the compression ignition that many of you have written to us about. That is really a fuel savings exercise. It's claiming 30%, but yeah. again... The specs are still pretty thin on this car. They've just dropped it on the public. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. have not released the entire spec sheet. It's not on the website. Things are trickling out. It's just based on what we, you know, the people we talk to at the Mazda sure, booth and sure, sure, yeah. you know, various things that we hear around. But we're excited about this car. I think it's going to be a brilliant car to drive. I mean, without driving, I think we're going to love it. The design, everything about it. I'm really excited. I think this car stole the show. I, I want to I mention that car in relation to one other one. As we leave Mazda 3, I want to give some perspective on it. Not a big car. Not a big car. And yet, I sat in the driver's seat of the Mazda 3, and Chance sent behind me, and then we swapped. Mm. Okay? Good. It is passable for guys our size in the back seat. 
when the driver's in his comfortable, proper drive. And that's what I do at an auto show. That's what I do, period. But especially in an auto show, I will climb in a car that has back seats, and I will put my seat in. What do I really like my seat to be in, in this car? And then I get out, and I get behind myself. Right, right. Okay? And in that situation in the Mazda 3, it was passable for both Chance and I in the back seat, which for a car as small as the Mazda 3 is is impressive because, in contrast, another car I really liked that unfortunately fails in this area is the Genesis G70. Mm, yeah, yeah. I love the look. I can't wait to drive this car. The interior is fantastic. It is on my probably the top of my personal shortlist, even ahead of the Mazda 3 personally, to drive. I really want to drive the G70. We're trying to, to set it up for season five because, again, season four is in the can. We're trying to set it up for season <laughs> exactly. five. It has a great trunk, fantastic front seats, really nice interior. You're going to have to have kids in the back. Mm-hmm. Because you can't have adults. Yeah. Because unfortunately, yeah. when I got into my driving position, there is not enough room in the back for me to sit comfortably. Hmm. Yeah, that's troublesome. But such a great design, such a great looking it's a great car. Design. It, it, but it, here's the thing: if, if you have a family with kids up to teenagers, that G70 is a great choice. But but honestly, I will say this as as a slight: a sedan as big as the G70 without rear passenger room makes people go buy a CUV. I hate that you're right about that. I hate Come that. Come on. If, yeah. if the Mazda 3 can do it, if the Honda Fit can do it. The Honda Fit was awesome. It's a shocking amount of room. I don't love the styling, but it's awesome. No. If the Honda Fit can provide uh, – it had more room than the Mazda 3 and the, and the Genesis G70 for both of us. You're going to shake your head at this car. It, it's How a, can it's, they do it's this ridiculous. Car? But honestly, the G70 should have more rear seat room. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, people are going to get in it and go, well, what do you have in an SUV? Because – we just, in mass, like lemmings, run to, well, I need a bigger car to get an SUV. We're, that's what the whole market's doing. Yeah. yeah. Isn't it amazing where packaging and design comes into play? It's so important. And, uh, yeah, it can definitely affect sales. Some other cars that we've got to touch on here are the Rivian, the two electric, one's an electric truck and one's an electric SUV that they dropped on us. I love that they've been sitting quietly, even though everybody in normal Illinois who knows that they've taken over an old plant, and this is where they're slated to be manufacturing. I think people in that area have been hearing about them and following them for quite a while, but for everybody else, especially everybody else outside the United States, these guys dropped two concepts slated for what I'm hearing is a 2020 full production. We're finally making vehicles. We'll see, yeah. The R1T is a pickup truck, a Mm -hmm. real electric pickup truck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It has towing capacity. It has range. Mm -hmm. And I am excited by this. Yeah. Is it perfect? No. Mm -hmm. Is it comparable to, you know, your Sierra or F-150? You know, could it do everything those can't? No. But, man, is it getting there? It's pretty close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very cool. The other car that they dropped was the R1S, which is in its lowest range flavor, is a seven-seater. I didn't realize this. Mm -hmm. It's a seven-seater. It's an an electric Suburban. It is. In scale and in capacity, it is an electric Suburban. And honestly, and I want to unpack both of these because I have some specific things I want to talk to that some of you have asked about and I also thought about. But, But personally, I am more impressed with the big SUV than I am the pickup. And the pickup's impressive. Pickup's great. But I think... Okay, I'm curious as to why. Here's the number one reason why. I think infrastructure and usage, the SUV makes more sense right now than the pickup does. Despite how popular pickup truck sales are? Yes, because here's the thing. Think about the way people drive their Suburban. They don't typically drive their Suburban, most people, off-road into the backcountry. 
I know there's those of you out there that do, but you drive your Suburban to take the kids and the family around and you drive it on a road trip and you do that kind of stuff. Electric infrastructure is almost to a place where you can go do that and make this your only family vehicle. To go to Starbucks, to go to the pickup line, to go to your office, and by the way, on this weekend, we're driving to Yosemite. Okay, We're not going off-road anywhere, really. Not really. That's typically how your Suburbans and your big SUVs get used. Pretty much, yeah. So you drop an all-electric. Cayennes, Cherokees. Totally. You drop an all-electric SUV. And I also have to say this about both of these. These have real nice interiors. That's what impressed me. They look production ready, mm-hmm. and they look like there's a lot of attention paid to this. It wasn't just, hey, we dropped an electric car or truck or SUV, mm-hmm. whatever. There's a lot of beautiful things in here. Pick your luxury SUV maker, okay? This is an interior on par with those. It's astounding, yes. actually. And it, just, and it looks like a normal interior that is incredibly nice in an SUV. Mm-hmm. It doesn't look like... Uh, and I know I know there are those of you out there, and many of you buying, that really like the very stark interior idea, a la the Tesla. I don't find that inviting, and I don't, I don't find either. like it matches the price of what those cars cost. This yeah. is a very nice interior in both these, a luxury interior in both these, which is fascinating. I think the SUV makes sense. My concern with the pickup is this: I think the pickup is brilliant. I think the design is fascinating. The way they've used space is wonderful. Yeah, yeah. They're saying we have a four hundred mile pickup. You do, but if you take a pickup like <laughs> Until most you start people, using it, <laughs> that's the thing. What <laughs> yeah. What's the other side of that equation when sure. you tow something? Uh, Ty, who listens to the show, mm-hmm. yeah. hauls his bikes around in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, all the thank time. you for writing, okay? Ty. By he, the way, he asked a lot of questions, yeah. and he's writing us as a guy that uses his uh, EcoBoost F one fifty all the time into the backcountry. Here's the thing: what happens if you want to go way into the middle of nowhere with your electric car or truck? The problem is you get yourself stuck. Forget forget off-road capability for a second. I, I knew a guy in Salt Lake that drove a Nissan Leaf. Mm-hmm. Sure. And he had to go to production one day. He had to go to, to, a, to a film production one day. But he had a 100-mile range. And the film production was <laughs> 70 miles one direction from his house. Oh, so no. in order to get home, he had to, t- to take with him one of those Honda generators that he put gas in. <laughs> You're kidding me. And plugged in his car, and it ran on the generator all day so he could limp himself home. Now, this is a Nissan Leaf on normal paved roads. You're you take kidding a, me. Not oh at all. Oh, my gosh. But it makes sense. Yeah. He had 70 miles one way. He wasn't even going to get home. He, yeah. he, he got there at the crack of dawn, started the generator, plugged his car in, and barely got home <laughs> at the end of the day. burning gas to Seriously. get your electric car home. Seriously. So how do you, <laughs> how do you defend yourself when your Rivian pickup is... 50 miles off the main road, let alone now, now, out, now that I'm on the main road, where is my next charging station? That has to be solved for a pickup to be able to be used like a pickup. If you're going to use it only in the city, that's a different thing. But I think the SUV is going to get used in the city, which makes it even more viable. I agree. You're, you're absolutely right. The only answer that I can come up with is future battery technology. And mm-hmm. future batteries being able to be changed and swapped out, not swapped on the fly, but changed out so that in you know five years from now, yeah. the truck is yeah. still valid. Sure, it's not you know even the design of it is still going to be fine looking. Many people own their pickup trucks for a long time. Absolutely, yeah. And so if battery technology is coming along to the point where we swap those batteries out for one yeah. that gives us 
I don't know, five, 600 miles or even sure. longer, sure. then a lot of those things are alleviated. Now, that's not reality right now. I get that. It doesn't True. solve it right now. True. But I just, I love that somebody's done it. Agreed. I love that no, no, no. They've the done pickup it well. truck looks like a pickup truck. And you think, well, what's up front where the engine goes? A giant frunk. Yeah. Yeah. How awesome is this? Let alone the pass-through thing right in front of the rear wheels, which yeah. haul all kinds of stuff bigger than most people's trunks. And then you yeah. have the bed. I mean, the thing is, the big unknown, the big thing I would like answered that makes this a little bit a little bit kind of clickbaity right now is we created a pickup at the 400-mile range. What does it do when it tows something? And honestly, maybe they don't know because because towing is not. is not a standard. It's not like they can say, well, everybody we know obviously t- only tows 5,000 pounds and – but it's got to be quantified by somebody because if your 400-mile range becomes a 100-mile range when you're towing, you now have a serious problem in taking your pickup the way some people use pickups. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, car manufacturers move the floor around at their booths mm-hmm. from day to day during press days because of introductions, because of different events and things like that. So when we were there, Hyundai did not have the Veloster N on the show floor. They might have it today. I'm sure they do, yeah. But we were we were not able to get in it or see it. We want specs. We want to get in it. We're actually planning for that as part of Absolutely. season five. Yep. Yep. So thank you for asking. We just haven't gotten there quite yet, and it was not on the show floor. But I do want to touch on the Jeep Gladiator. The JL-based Jeep Gladiator, yes. whose wheelbase is 19.4 inches longer than the four-door Wrangler. Nearly huge. two feet longer <laughs> than the four-door Wrangler. And I, I always um, thought the four-door Wrangler looked really huge. Yeah. And then I saw that Gladiator, and, and we started we started sightlining off of the back of the rear door, and we realized, and Chance's guess was it's at least 18 inches, and you found out it's 19. Yep. Great job, Chance, by the way. It is – I'm sorry, but there almost needs to be a term beyond enormous. I might have it. Okay. I might have it because I thought, you know – Jeep now has, well, the Gladiator has a 137-inch wheelbase, whereas the Ford Raptor only has a 134.2-inch wheelbase, meaning if Jeep were to drop a Hellcat engine in this thing, they would have a Helicus Bestiarius. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. You did go there. Make the Ford Raptor look like nothing. It's it is it's, it is huge. It's huge. It's enormous. It is so incredibly large. I want one. I do. Inexplicably, of course you do. It had the mountain bikes on the back, and I wanted that. Do you know what the total length is? I bet you it's longer than your Expedition. I don't think you could get that car in your garage. It probably is. Well, they had to put a five-foot bed in the back, so it's got the five-foot bed, and then the four-door cab, and then the engine. It's big. It's it's not like a Wrangler size. Take a four-door Jeep, which is already (laughs) large. Take a four-door Jeep. From the back of the of the second door, jump back 18 inches and add five feet. This is what this is. I bet you it's longer than your Expedition. I bet you it would not fit in your garage. I can't even believe how long this thing yeah. is. Yeah. I try. It's very cool. It's very cool. But I just stood beside it for the longest time. And all I kept saying over and over, like I was a man in a, in a, in a daze, I kept going, just, it's enormous. It it's towers, huge. It I just, over it's everything. It's such a massive car. <laughs> yeah. Take your A8L. No, it doesn't matter. Your big Suburban doesn't matter. It's huge. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, you sat in the BMW Z4 briefly. We want to get that on camera, too. Briefly, yes. I did Thoughts on that car? I actually like it quite a bit. Yeah, I do, I too. want about another inch of room in the cabin, which I'm not going to get. I want a hard top. I want a well, coupe yeah. shape out but, of that But I, Yeah, that, I agree with that. I'd like about another inch in the cabin, which makes me very curious what's the Supra like in, in space. I suspect it's better. Yeah, agreed. Well, the uh, the new 3 Series was there, the BMW M340i. Yeah, yeah, the brand new 3. Which we also have plans for. Mm-hmm. We were shopping. We were. We were, we were. we were TV shopping, as weird as that sounds. Uh, 
I, uh, I love BMWs. I feel like BMW interiors are losing their flavor. Hmm. It's hmm. just crisper edges of the same theme. Hmm. We haven't moved on to a new theme that is truly distinctly BMW and Bavarian. Hmm. Hmm. That's what I've been wanting. We sat in the 8 Series just yeah. for fun. 850, yeah, for sure. The acrylic shift knob struck me as a piece. I don't think it was glass. I think it was polished acrylic. Not it's sure. a faceted, jeweled acrylic. And if yeah, it yeah. is, I'm thinking about people's rings making it scratched up and cloudy over mm, over time. Maybe, you buy maybe. one used and... Hopefully they thought about that, but that doesn't mean thinking, they did. Okay, well, you wanted to go different material and look shiny and nice at an auto show or on the dealership floor, but... Yeesh. And so in the 3 Series, I closed the door, sat in the driver's seat, closed the door, and the door handle didn't feel like a handle to me. It felt like it had overlapping surfaces and that I was grabbing onto a piece mm. of trim rather than a nice handle that fit in my hand. Mm. And it was it's little things that I look for. It's just the things that you interact with and touch and you know the, the first thing your eye lands on. Sure, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm looking for. And so I, I want the car to be good. I'm sure it's going to drive well. I, I want to have a favor, more favorable impression of it than I do in, right now, I guess. I came away thinking, all right, it's the next one. Mm-hmm. I'll just hold on to my thoughts. And yeah. you know when we drive it, we'll... Will really go forth, but I'd like to drive the 850. I wanted well. to get it and be like, "Wow, this is the new three series." Look at oh, what sure. they did. Yeah, and I didn't get out thinking that. I'm very curious about the three. It's interesting to see that three, and then a few booths over, see the uh, Genesis G70, which was great. And then to also think about that the interior three did series. it for me. Yeah, it was cool. Also think about the three series in relation to the uh, Julia, which we both love, mm-hmm. because I preferred the Julia to the last three series over the last three series. So will I prefer it to the new three series? I don't know yet. Back to the 850 briefly, also an enormous car, incredibly long and is sitting in a booth next to Lexus where they had the LC 500. I am not a guy shopping for an LC 500, but two things (laughs) struck me as I got in that car again, I would take it over the 850 the LC500 over the 850. Yeah, I can see and that. And I also think that, plus the, the LC500 seems like a big car until you walk next door to see the 850 and you go, no, no, that was a small little coupe I just got out of, mm-hmm. which is yeah. crazy because the, the LC500 is not little. The thing I thought about, I mentioned this to Chance and we were sitting in the, in the LC500. I think the LC500 is, it, the way it drives and is, and I, I, we drove it on the track, okay? Mm-hmm, we drove mm-hmm. it on the street. It's it's great to drive, but it's not the car for me, clearly. Because look at what I drive. But I think the LC500 is what guys want when they get to that age to buy a Corvette and drive it slowly. <laughs> they should buy an LC500. Uh, they should. It's great. It's, I drove yeah. it briefly, just briefly at that uh, track day last year. Mm-hmm. Came away loving. It's it. very impressive. It's Striking. I'm not in the market for that car. That's not the car for me. But I think, if yeah, it, it's an impressive car, and I, and I think it's the cross shop to the 850. Mm-hmm. And I think I'd take the Lexus. <laughs> it's weird to say. It's weird to say. We also sat in the 2019 Buick Regal Tour X just briefly. Yeah, starts at twenty nine thousand dollars for Buick. Does the all road or the Volvo cross country thing? Yeah, yeah. Came away pretty impressed. It's cool. You can load it up. They're like low 40s, fully loaded up, yeah. but you don't need yeah, yeah. to do that. And it's large, fit everybody comfortably, but uh, yeah, kind of interesting. I but, never thought we'd say, hey, we sat in a Buick and liked it. But save the wagons. I mean, there is a yeah. real yeah. honest wagon that, I mean, it had the, the racks on it. That could be, a, the back of it was huge. 
It was. I mean, <laughs> if, if you're if you're if you're a, a family talking about a, and you don't need seven seats, you're talking about you can get away with five seats and you want a road trip and that kind of stuff. This car should be on your radar, honestly, as a cross shop to an SUV. Absolutely, I think it really should. That's crazy a, enough. Buick was next to Mercedes, which is a difficult place for, for Buick to sit. But Mercedes, we got in lots of those. They're killing it on interiors right now. Yeah. Yeah, I absolutely. really like their interiors. Absolutely. The only problem I have with their interiors, honestly, is that I got in a few of their cars, and the interiors are similar enough that I kind of want the high-end cars to do something different. Sure. Okay, I can see that. Because if, I, if I'm going to step down $100,000 in the interior, it feels about the same. I'm kind of going, now wait, now wait. Now wait. <laughs> That's been my problem with the 2 Series, and the themes are repeated in the 7 Series Agreed. V12. And I think, Agreed. really? Yeah, that is an issue. But I have a question, and I, don't, I think I have the answer. Okay. Many of you will respond. We sat in the brand new Mercedes GT four-door coupe. So they have their GT, yeah. which is their 911 yeah. alternative. And just like the 911 has a four-door alternative called the Panamera, Mercedes went, we can do this too. So they made a four-door extended GT. Very cool. Yeah, I liked it a lot. Great interior, nice space, cool to look at, a bruiser. I think it's a success. Why does the CLS still exist in the lineup? <laughs> I'm guessing it's because the GT, which no prices were listed, is going to be $100,000 more. But if Probably. those two models overlap in price at all, the CLS is now irrelevant. Agreed. And the CLS looks nowhere near as beautiful as this thing. And it was, it was honestly, Mercedes started the we can make a four-door coupe with the original CLS. And I don't think it's ever been as cool since that first one. I agree. I fully agree. But yeah. now this GT four-door is out. And I, 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 I did, they were two cars away from each other. And I got back and forth. You guys kept looking at me because I was walking around like in a stupor, like, explain it to me. Explain to me why both these cars are in the same None lineup. None of us could. We couldn't. And, I, and, I, and, I, and I'm hoping for Mercedes' sake it's because the GT – I don't want the GT to be this expensive. But I'm hoping it's $100,000 more than the CLS. Otherwise, the CLS is an irrelevant automobile. Yeah, crazy enough. Holy cow, we've blasted you with cars. There's more we could talk about, but we are going to take a quick break, and we'll be back. Every car has a share of stories. Your car has stories. Maybe the ding in your bumper from when you had that first date. Maybe the luxury package you got because you thought, I'm going to get the car that matches my promotion. Or you, you saved mileage. You rode your bike all summer. You put less mileage in your car, and you thought, that's going to help the resale value. You can't put a price tag on those stories, but now with TrueCar, you can at least find out what your car is worth when it's time to sell it or trade it in. Just go to TrueCar. Simply enter your license plate number and watch how your car's details pop up. Then you answer a few questions, you have the navigation, you got the moonroof, or you put high mileage on there. You knew it was going to cost you, now you can find out just how much. Once you're finished, you'll get your True Car cash offer sent in minutes, which you can take to a local True Car certified dealer. You can cash out or trade it in. So when you're ready to experience a better way to sell or trade in your car, check out True Car today. True Cash Offer is not available in all areas. The next time you're under the hood, you may not notice this, but you probably have a Continental Belt under there. There's a reason for that. Continental is one of the world's largest original equipment suppliers for the automotive industry. Automakers around the world insist on Continental for original equipment belts. The U.S. Big 3, BMW, Volkswagen, and over 30% of all new vehicles sold in North America. What that means is that Continental can sell you an OE quality belt because they are original equipment. Continental's OE Technology Series Multi-V belts for the automotive aftermarket are precision engineered for perfect fit. So you can confidently spec Continental's multi-V belts. 
There's one for 98% of vehicles on the road today, and you might not know it, but Continental is also a leader in automotive technology. Electronic components for things like autonomous driving and accident-free zones. That focus on innovation is in every product they make, including OE Technology Series aftermarket belts. GEICO presents eyewitness interviews with inanimate objects. This is Brian Bruno, live on the scene of a recent windstorm, here to describe the event, a chest of drawers. There's a storm howling outside, so I thought I'd stay in and watch a rom-com. Five minutes into the flick, a tree branch slams through the window. Were you hurt? (laughs) I just got a scratch on my chest. Your chest of drawers can't help you in a windstorm, but the GEICO Insurance Agency can help you get covered for personal property damage. Call GEICO to see how affordable homeowners insurance can be. You've sent us many questions. A lot of them were about the auto show. Thanks for that. We hope we've answered a lot of those. Uh, there are others as well. By the way, did you see our random question? We still don't have an answer for what was the weird button in the Porsche Macan. We do. Ryan, uh, Ryan sent the, the Oh, uh, did he send the, the official? Oh, tell me, please. I he did. Uh, he looked it up and said it was the air ionizer that is very popular in the Chinese market due to poor air quality in China. Uh. And so it, this car just happened to have that button. Okay. Even though so many of you had the, some of the best I, answers. I so preferred all of your answers <laughs> to that question. I just We all looked at that button. We all looked at each other. And it was a bunch of us standing in the Porsche booth going, none of us know what that is. So that's why I said, you know what? I'm going to ask the internet. And, and Chance and Mandy were with us. And they said, do you mean like Google? And I said, no, no. I mean people that watch the show. Yeah. I'm going to ask you. And you guys were great. I much preferred many of your answers, like the air scarf and other things. It was awesome. There was the, the B release was one of my other personal favorites. Yes. There were a lot of really good ones. So thank you guys for that. Uh, Craig asked an interesting question on uh, Facebook. He's talking about tuning out of class. Mm, I saw this. Yeah. Good. Okay. So he's saying, are there exceptions is kind of the, the, the thrust of his uh, question here. Because he said, look, I, I have an 86. Or he said, I would rather have a supercharged 86 than a Nissan 370Z. But if I were to do that, haven't I taken a supercharged 86 and tuned it out of class to now be as expensive as the 370Z? I see what you're doing. I see what you're doing. Here's, here's my desperate attempt to further clarify this tuning out of class thing. Okay. All right. Because I understand it's not a hard and fast rule and there are gray areas, but here's what I feel like I normally see that creates this problem. Person buys whatever car. Okay. And almost right away they think, oh, I'm going to do this and then I'm going to do this. And I'm going to do this mm-hmm. because I want it to drive like, and they have their target car. Oh, right. Sure. I wish this was more like, fill in the blank and they're chasing that car this is textbook tuning out of class you're never going to get it to that car why not go buy that car and if you say i can't afford it let's work toward that shall we because ultimately the car you're chasing has been refined to be whatever Mm -hmm, okay sure and so you know at some point you're spending money going nowhere or not getting to where you want to be the exceptions are cars you love and you want to fix things about them. And I will go with the 86, and I will, I will speak personally. I like the 370Z. Okay? Yeah, it's yeah, great. I would take an 86 with a supercharger over it. Okay. And if you bought them both new, I've now spent the same amount of money. But here's the key thing. You can't get the Z car to weigh what the 86 does. If you take five to 600 pounds out of the Z car to try to get it to weigh 2,700 like the 86 does, what do you have left? Uh, seats? Now it's like stripped like a race car. Right. Okay? Right. You can't get it to be small and light like the 86 with the 86-style steering. You're chasing your tail there. 
you can take the 86 and fairly straightforward solve the quote-unquote number one problem, which is I'd like more power. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If you like the small, light characteristics, uh, let me put it another way. If you are enhancing the things about a car you love, perfect. That kind of tuning is okay. If you're trying to fix a car's problems to make it more like car X, you're tuning out of class. This dovetails into Craig and M's question about tips for budgeting for upgrades, actually. He would have thought, as a teenager, that $47,000 salary would afford him turbos and a roll cage, but adulthood (laughs) has taught him that after student loans and bills, it seems more an appropriate budget for maintenance and the occasional air freshener. Yep. You're right, and I would, after <laughs> after Todd's explanation, I would say, what do you want the car to do? What are your needs? Yeah. Of yeah, course, yeah. used. We, we speak to buying used or pre-owned, mm-hmm. whatever that is, mm-hmm. and shopping smart and shopping outside of your area and digging into forums and people that have done those upgrades. You might find a car close to what you're looking for, but I come back to, well, I want to upgrade the brakes. I want to you know put turbos and all this stuff on it. Why? Mm-hmm. What do you want to go mm-hmm. do with the car? What do you want the car to do? Yeah. Are you are you getting into tracking? Well, if you're getting into tracking, track days are expensive, even if the lowest level. We have found that out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So probably you've already got a budget for tracking. So therefore, you know, it comes down to tires and wheels and brakes. And, you know, that enables you to hold your speed better and then mm-hmm. slowly add power. But you've already got the budget there. But if you're not tracking and you just want more power, well, maybe a new car or a different car is for you. Mm. Because continuing to add things to it just because you want them doesn't seem like a build for success kind of car that you end up with because then you end up with it. And what happens when you try to sell that car? You get none of that back for one thing. (laughs) Right. So either try to buy it close to what you want. We had a discussion with somebody at the show Mm -hmm. who ran into us. He recognized us, you know, told us he listens to the podcast. And we were talking about 86, as a matter of yeah, fact. Yeah, yeah. And he was wanting one, but he's got four daughters, and he's trying to work this out with his wife. Yeah. But my thought was, what about instead of buying a used 86 and putting the supercharger on, there might be many people who have already done that mm-hmm. and kind of made it close to what you're looking for. Those cars are harder to find. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I bet you those owners are overjoyed to sell it because they're kind of getting their money a little bit back. Well, and they're, and they're selling it for about the same price as the one that's still stock. Right. That's the crazy thing. This is hard to do. I'm not yeah. saying this is an easy thing to go do and find the car yeah, already yeah, yeah. built to your liking. I am not saying that. It's worth a try. Hmm. But also, instead of just saying, well, I want this upgrade and that upgrade, you've got to come back to what you're wanting to get out of the car. Mm-hmm. Is it just to tell your friends you've got more horsepower? <laughs> or do you go use that horsepower? It's the difference between cruising and spending your days alone on a canyon road. Yeah. Who are you? Yeah, sure. Are you just wanting to put it out there and, hey, I've got the specs to you know, tell you about? Or am I just, I'm lost on a Saturday morning in some mountain <laughs> and I'm just, I'm not telling anybody. It's for me. Yeah. It's the difference, you know, for a personal item, like a watch is a personal item. Even though there's plenty of rappers that make it. For other people to sure. see, but you know what I mean? It's well, a very but, personal item. Pens and cufflinks yeah, and necklaces. Yeah, and those yeah. are th- things for you. The personal item thing is an excellent part about this as well because that kind of speaks to both of these Craig's question and that if, if, you, if you have a car that is in your life and you're never going to sell it or this mm-hmm. is just it, I have history with it or whatever, this is my car and you want to keep doing things to that, tuning out of class doesn't qualify there <laughs> because you're just, you're just doing stuff to make that the most unique perfect version of this car you're never getting rid of but i feel like most people are tuning a car to try to make it something else Mm -hmm. 
Uh, W.C. Dunn is actually prompting us now. Do you see this? All right. He, he wants us to say the following. You ready for this? Oh, yes. Aubrey, Craig does, does need the car he talked to you about. Let him have it. He promises he'll let you drive it, too. <laughs> what is this car? You, you failed to mention the car. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that, that's horrifying, honestly. I don't know that I endorse that statement, even though I just said it. That's why I said it's slightly stilted. Because, uh, you know, this, this could be terrible. You know what you could also do? You could ask us to say things to your Amazon Echo or your Siri. Right. And you could play that back. We could have all kinds of fun. This could be crazy, <laughs> honestly. Clips of you and I saying weird things. Somebody's going to – yeah, that, that's a frightening thought. Okay. Johnny F. asks if he's selling himself short by not considering any car that doesn't offer a manual transmission. Mm. He is a row-your-own purist, as he describes it, but he knows there are many phenomenal cars that have dual clutches or even just they're great cars. Yeah, yeah. What are our thoughts on this car? Hmm. I say, yeah, you are selling yourself short. Mm. I desperately, I love manual transmissions. I don't currently own a car with a manual transmission. True, true, true. I love driving them. Mm-hmm. We want you to find the car that's going to speak best to the dynamics of the car and the driving pleasure. If that includes the manual, it has to be the manual. Well, go get a manual. Yeah. The yeah. end. Mm-hmm. But if you're willing and you're open and it sounds like the door is cracked slightly, Johnny, Yeah. then we encourage you to go drive a, a dual clutch equipped Volkswagen or BMW, mm-hmm. something that's not a PDK. Go try those out. Mm-hmm. Go try out that Mercedes AMG uh, GLA 45. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By the way, the Buick Tour X has a dual clutch. <laughs> wouldn't expect that, would you? No, yeah. you yeah, wouldn't. Yeah. Go find those cars. And if they don't do it for you from a driving perspective, then you've answered your question. Mm-hmm. But I do say there's some cars that you know, might prevent us from saying, well, I just really want to buy that car, but wow, is this a good car? Mm -hmm. It might be great for someone else. Maybe not me, but maybe that's you. We're just, we're wondering aloud. There there are so many great cars. Don't just discount them because they don't have a manual. Well, I mean, the Alpha 4C is a car that I keep gravitating to because I really wish it drove as good as the Elise. It doesn't. No, but it is a no. better it is a better daily car than it's the Elise. It's fun to drive. It's a though. better daily car than the Elise. <laughs> and as much as I would like that to have a manual, honestly, the thing that would keep me from buying one is I wish the handling were better. Not that I wish it was a manual. It's interesting to think about it in those terms. Mm. It's got a, a six speed uh, paddle shift gearbox. It's not right. even a dual clutch. But it doesn't take. That's nothing. That's not taking away any of the fun of that car. I just wish it was better at the limit. Mm. That's what holds me back. And then, of course, the Porsches of the world. Of course, the PDKs are brilliant. We just saw the GT2 Club Sport half-million-dollar car only comes in PDK. Amazing, You're buying a track-only, Porsche-supported track car, and it comes in PDK only. If you have a half-million dollars to buy yourself a specialized race car from Porsche, you can have one of the – but they're probably already spoken for. Who are we kidding? But I didn't think (laughs) it was interesting that it was just – here it is. It exists in PDK as their race cars do. Remington G21 is asking us, we think automakers will start making analog cars again. I see what you mean. I mean, will they ever realize that gas cars just can't compete in performance with electric cars? If you look at pure numbers and it's always, we're selling cars based on straight line acceleration again, people. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the 60s and welcome to now, right? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. This this car's one-tenth faster than the last time, so it must be better. It's the better, newer thing. Yeah. You should trade your old junky one in. And he says, you know, can't we just have the gasoline engines for the fun stuff and then move along and just the analog cars? 
You've probably heard me say this. If you haven't, I'm going to say it again, and that is I wish automakers like BMW would make the the really purest car mm, with mm. the manual transmissions that we love about BMW and the ergonomics and the seats and all the stuff that we love. Yeah, yeah. And that's the sports car. That's for the enthusiasts. They have that side, yeah. And then they have the i8, i9, i whatever, mm-hmm. i211, the, the next that they just yeah. came out with at the auto show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fine, wonderful. Yeah. Keep that going, but... You know they're not because <laughs> we got to buy them. Executives have to justify yeah. those models to either shareholders or board members to say this is a profitable enterprise or it's bringing customers to the brand. Mm-hmm. Like Audi mm-hmm. R8s bring customers to the brand because I want an R8. I can't afford an R8. You know what? The RS5 or let's go. How about the A3 has the lineage of the R8 <laughs> in it, and you can have a piece of it an R8 by buying yeah. this car. Yeah, yeah that's right. what You're car right. makers mm-hmm. want. You're right, and it's hard to just justify the enthusiast cars that we know and love. Mm-hmm. I think there's going to continue to be iterations of them. And there's a number of car companies, BMW, Mazda, Porsche mm-hmm. that make sports cars that can never go away. Mm-hmm. The MX five, yeah. the Z four, yeah. the nine 11, mm-hmm. they will exist in iterations. We're just along for the ride, aren't we? Yeah. Well, and here's the thing. We enthusiasts kind of shoot ourselves in the foot in one big way. because And, and you and I are totally in this camp, Paul, because I will tell you all day long, buy a used car. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But the problem is somebody's got to buy them new first. You know? <laughs> if we want another 86. <laughs> Wait, don't use logic. I know. If don't we want another 86 with more power, we need to make sure that they can't make them fast enough new right now so they go, if we make another one, they'll, they'll buy them again. But the problem is all of us, and I am, I am the president of all of us when I say this, are waiting for them to get cheap enough to buy one used. Yeah, so we're no shooting kidding. ourselves in the foot. So as a result, what's happening? We're not going to make cars anymore. We're going to make more SUVs. Why? Because the family is going out and spending money to buy a new SUV and not going, let's buy a new sports sedan. Right let alone right. sports car. I mean, I, I do hope we live in a world where uh, the automakers are making, if I go to extremes, the Miata and the Bolt. Okay, all right. I'd be okay with that world. But the problem is if one of those two is going to die in the future, it's going to be the Miata. And that makes me tragically sad. Last question here for me from RemMac42. What do we think of the new Soul lineup? Mm. I liked the old Soul better. I guess I'm an old Soul. I'm an old soul kind of a guy. There yeah, it is. had had to drop that in there. I um I don't like the weight, the the body side proportion because it's such a tall car. The prior generation soul dealt with it on a lot better. It it carried yeah. its weight better. It looks like they mixed the design because I saw one coming home last night and it was really struck me anew. It looks like they mixed the design of the original Soul with the original Scion XB, and they're somewhere between the two. And because it is such a kind of a boxy, upright shape, yeah. those rear, rear taillights have to change. Again, change for the sake of change versus <laughs> did we make it better? Did it's we the improve? new version. Yeah. And they've taken a lot of the beautiful, clean, straight arcs out of the original mm-hmm. soul and changed them to be something amorphous. Hmm. And I can't say I like it as much. It's got a new look to it. It was the the all road version of that. I think it's the X version of the Soul okay, that yeah. has the Rhino liner wheel fender liners. Sure. It's the plastic around the wheel the arches. All, the all road Soul. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't, and, yeah. and the, the off road Soul. Yeah. Exactly. That black plastic takes the weight out of it. Oh sure, Cut and so the, yeah. it looks actually more proportionally striking. I think. Yeah. I'm sure it's probably 
drives better, gets better mileage, whatever. But I kind of liked the old one better. I'm sure you could see a spreadsheet for all the reasons why it's better, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it is better. But anyway, that's an interesting theme we've come away from from the LA Auto Show. Thank you guys for listening, for sending in questions. We love having you with us. EverydayDriverTV at Gmail is where you can send in any correspondence. Ideally, that's a great place for your car debates. But you got a question for us or a comment, we are reading all of those emails. So thank you for that. You can also find us through the contact portion of our website, EverydayDriver.com. More YouTube stuff is coming, but before that, Corvette film and <laughs> all of season four. Holy cow. We're looking forward to sharing this with you guys. Looking forward to next time. Cheers. Geico presents unhelpful home improvement how-tos. A slippery bathroom floor can result in expensive hospital bills. So today, I'll show you how to cushion a serious fall by filling your bathroom with thousands of plastic balls. Just nail a piece of plywood across the doorway and dump in 2,000 multicolored plastic balls. You could try to protect yourself with a bathroom full of plastic balls, or you could get liability coverage through the GEICO Insurance Agency. Visit GEICO.com and see how affordable renter's insurance can be. I'm Rita Foley with an AP News Minute. Federal government worker Blake Murray in D.C. says he's pretty much had it with the partial government shutdown. It's pretty demoralizing, um, you know, and I feel like kind of a pawn in a political game and totally powerless. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi is asking President Trump to postpone his January 29th State of the Union address, citing security concerns. But Republicans say this is just politics, shutdown politics, a move intended to keep President Trump off the national stage. Going to prison for 20 years, a Tennessee teacher who took a 15-year-old student and ran for weeks prosecutor Dan Cochran. I think it's a serious sentence. 20 years is a significant amount of time. He's going to have all that time to think about what he did, the consequences of it. We asked for 30, obviously, but 20 is a very serious sentence, and we feel good about it. An employee and a customer at an IHOP restaurant in Huntsville, Alabama, were killed in a shooting that also injured another employee. I'm Rita Foley.